Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. I would like to reintroduce Ophelia Syndrome. They put out uh, a couple of records in 2011 and 2014. North Sea was the last one. And I'm a fan of their work. It, it's beautiful. The songwriting, um, the music, the, the singing. And of course, I've been a fan of and friend to the, the people involved for many, many years, going back to Mohawk College. I, I won't, as I've been ranting about-ish, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in this moment, uh, I won't be normally talking in depth about upcoming events or musical releases, but Deanna, who's on the show on this episode, and I have been talking about this EP for many, many months, going back to before I changed the, the Todd's Cafe to the Coffeehouse crowd. We've been, we've been planning a little um, thing to talk about the EP since then, and it's coming out at the end of this week, and we talk about it in that. So, you know, don't... What are you, perfect? You don't have to give me crap about, you know... I'm not going back on the thing. In the future, I, I won't be talking about it. And Deanna and I... Uh, do talk about stuff that's just fun and, and nonsense and about growing up in particular in this one, sort of in the same vein as Wendy Waynell from last week and the co-host from FemWaves next week, Kate Schlitt. And, you know, Deanna is one of the sweetest and most talented people I know. So you've been high-roaded, basically. Keep an eye on Culture Fancier dot com at culture fancier i think the brilliant and wonderful glodine is also presenting something in regards to this ep and you know i'm just podcasting baby that's it for now enjoy the show <clears throat> there's a range of emotion that flies through the week and i brew coffee every morning and on the weekends i get to really delectably go through the process like it's a ritual of making the the fine roastery coffee that I like. And I just berated you beforehand with why I love detour so much or settlement and whatnot. Plug, give me free coffee. Thanks. We're going to be at Monogram. <laughs> there you go. Get some coffee from Monogram. <laughs> and then Monday comes and I'm like, I just need to fucking put it in my system. Yeah. I'm like that too on Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, you just want to, um, well, all mornings really, <laughs> I, I'm a coffee fanatic, but I know it is, it's in the morning when you need just drunk up a coffee, it's a different thing than when you enjoy it in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. It's like an insatiable need in the morning and then the afternoon you can sit and think about the flavors. It's a different beast and it's a, in and of itself we both like coffee, so yeah. you didn't berate, you didn't berate me at all or bombard me. I I quite enjoy good coffee. I have a French press; that's usually what I use, mm. and uh, I grind. I do grind my own beans. That's how you do it. I do because the, I, the I have gr- a really good dark uh, French roast right now. Yeah, so uh, I do. Yeah. Thanks for uh, coming by. Thanks for having me. Deanna Wells of Ophelia Syndrome. One of the first guests that I sort of had on the Coffee House crowd. You can appreciate the fact that that was a combination of 
archived interviews with Ophelia Syndrome as far back as 2008. That's right. This long-term friendship, as well as podcast work, I, you know, I don't like all that archive stuff that you can see on the Coffeehouse Crowd website. To go to waste, you got to represent it. But this is sort of like a follow-up-ish. Yeah. And it's another chance to catch up with Deanna. And this is Monday, May the 6th. And at the end of this week, it just so happens, wink, wink, right, that Ophelia Syndrome will be releasing a really nice package. Yes, we're releasing an EP, a culmination of a few years of work. We did do drip release for all the young kids out there. Everyone's doing drip releases now, uh, but we wanted to remaster everything and repackage it and put right. it together. And it's a Bandcamp only release because we did already make it available on several platforms. Um, but this way, and there's some bonus videos and like nice. bonus pictures behind the scenes. We're very cognizant about price so we've offered a lot of stuff for free so it's not very it's not going to be a really expensive but you're going to get a lot of extras and things and the then the songs are all remastered there is a couple live tracks that have never been heard actually they've never been released nice and then a couple uh songs that were started as demos trina and i playing on them uh one of your tracks we did with you an unreleased song we've never released uh, and we've only ever played it live like it was never on an existing anything not a demo not anything and uh, i don't think we have cuz we didn't do an interview that day we we don't have that info yeah rec- uh, we've and we have only done it live about a handful of times like it hasn't been played live very much either mm-hmm. so that's that's with your permission which you gave that's going to be on there too and there'll be some videos and like and, and photos and like some behind the scenes stuff that's going to go and it's going to be fairly priced but some people were asking um were asking about uh, because we were <laughs> we were um, on Saliband and it went under, but we did say that that was coming. So uh, you know, we we do like to keep our word and release things when we say that we're going to release them. Yeah. Um, now we're just packaging it up and making it available for you know our small handful of peeps that are like, yo, when you when are you gonna drop this? Yeah, we've been talking about it for a few months, you and I as well. I don't think this is a poignant question to ask, but I have to know what, because you might tell me and I'll be like, oh yeah, I, I, I know. But I, I've never heard the term drip re- release. Ah, uh, so. It sounds, it sounds like you need to see a doctor. Yeah, it sounds bad. <laughs> you know, there's probably a few people that say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah. so what I think is, so the industry, so it used to be the album standard. So everybody started making albums. And so the album with the internet and all of this, so they say, is, you know, dead. Album's dead. So drip releases are essentially what's happening is you, you're supposed to just be releasing a single. Something new every, you know, once a year, or six months or, or whatever, you, whatever right. you've contracted. So and it's, so it's like hitting a quota yeah. as opposed to just making it, artistic statements when you're inclined. Because new, right? Because right. new. And so the way like with streaming services, if you release new things habitually, it makes more of an impact. So the theory is, you know, then you make more off of streaming services, which is it's true. I mean, we we just did a big thing in the summer where we were we were working with Mason of Music which is a, a small label in Hamilton and they did we did a bunch of her back catalog stuff I mean and it works and we were pitching you know our old stuff 
uh, well, we were just kind of seeing how it was going to go. So our, our like manager kind of hooked that up. Right. So it works. So we had done that. So we had like, there's like some demos that we were released and like we released the stuff for free, right. And videos. And we, and, and so a lot of that's getting repackaged and remastered because I don't want to just release it again the same way. I want it to be redone. Right. Yeah. Cause I just, I'm kind of old school that way. Um, and so that's what drip releases are. So it's like a, uh, they were just, a lot of people were just releasing singles. Mm. So you have one single, but I think if you do that four or five times, well, you know, there's your EP, right? Yeah. So I think uh, people are kind of doing both like geeks like me. I like owning things. Yeah. Like I, I still buy. You're horrible uh, people. Is- yeah. I listened to a CD today. I listen to CDs and tapes still. <laughs> I still have two tape players in my house nice. and CD players. And I listen to, I do listen to Spotify though. I do, yeah. I do stream on the internet a lot. Um, but I, but I have vinyl too, right? Like I just like having all of the medium. Sometimes I like don't want to charge my laptop. Like I'm like, Oh, I just want to like, that's already plugged in, you know, like I just want to turn it on. We did promise this, this EP and there's going to be some horns get, that's the last thing that's happening right now. That's the only thing that we're waiting on. So it, that will be done. And then it's done. The art was done. I sent you the artwork already. So, um, it's neat because you're, you're involved in it, right? Like you, we did that one song just yeah. for you. So that's why, that's, we, really that's cool. how we're like bookending this together today, right? Like we, we've been involved sort of in each other's, you know, uh, in our, our careers and supporting each other for a long time. But like you, you gave us the okay to have this track, which is really neat. So it's, and it's going to be on, and it's only been, been released ever on your on your SoundCloud page, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's kind of a neat bookend to, to do it. Have something neat that we have done just from our last release, which was in 2015 to now. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I so just watched like, the OA part two recently and you're, you're kind of freaking me out. Cause as you're telling me, like all these puzzle pieces are coming together. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm hearing some sort of creepy secret door clinking, clinking yeah. close when it finally is released. There's going to be a door that opens and behind it is the truth. Yeah. And I can't handle that yeah. <laughs> right now. Oh, I know. Well, no, that's really cool though. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's neat. Uh, May 12th is kind of an, a special because one of the videos that's, that's going to be sent with it is stop. We did stop 2018 last year. So we did it. Mm-hmm. We did it. And that was like a bookend to, um, us recording and releasing our debut EP Shades of Grey and it was released yeah. May 12, 2008. Uh oh, sorry, 2009. We started in 2008. We started we, we started recording on it. So we started in October 2008 and it was released May 12. It'll be the 10-year anniversary. So we're doing that as like a nice bookend. It was a nice experience for us like we really we really love being at Catherine and of course for Danny O we always do it for Danny O so yeah so it's just uh, uh we're really excited about just keeping prices down like we've always been like that with yeah. like getting guarantees when, when we play and doing like pay what you want frequently or like pay what you want for because sometimes people don't really want CDs anymore they can listen for free on Spotify but like it's just the excitement of leaving with something like, yeah. like it's sort of that this is like that in an EP form. Like we're just excited to that. We're still doing it. We're still here and we're still like, it's really, I'm really proud of the content. I think it's really great. Like we, we have on it, like Trina's on it. I mean, you did work on it. I has a bunch of friends who <laughs> I didn't pay <laughs> who volunteered their time. Obviously it was, uh, it, 
Um, you don't pay your volunteers? No. no. Well, I had a few people come in and do work on it. And I was like, what do you, you know, obviously I'll pay you. But they were like, don't worry about it. But I, we bartered and I would do other work for them, for example. So there's a bunch of really cool people that worked on it, like separately, like especially like the videos and like the production and things like that we had. And we did, and some of it we did hire too. Like we, we didn't, just so we don't sound like... You know, <laughs> like we don't pay people, um, and and then and then the choir girls are on it. So Emma, and and Carolyn and Vanessa, are the basement choir, are on it. And there's some unreleased like new tracks that are going to actually be on the next album. So this right. is actually going to be songs that are going to be reimagined and redone on another album but it won't they won't sound like it because they're already different from now yeah. but we did that on purpose to as like a bridge between north sea and the next right but they're so different and it and that it it'll work on its own it's just like a fun like fairly price kind of you know like yeah. an excitable thing sort of in the middle we were talking quite a bit before we started as, as we always do when we're talking about art and the industry. I mean, you, you can't have one without the other, because if you try to make money doing anything, it's an industry. Like there's a dental industry, right? Like, you know, people say the industry in air quotes, you know, with like their gold chains and their furs and things, which is (laughs) fine. I mean, I've rolled through McDonald's before at 2 a.m. and clad entirely in fake fur and I think we should do the rest of the interview about that yeah I think that's I think that's a very poignant thing so I I I say that with respect but yeah every job has an industry so the second you are making any kind of money at all it's an industry Um, and you and I've been talking about art I mean and gentrification right now I mean we've talked at length like I mean it's a I don't know am I allowed to swear I always ask this on these shows am I allowed to swear or no see what happens if you do I was going to say I already said it to you gentrification made us all it's bitch (laughs) so if things are things are hard right now for a lot of people and i think that it always affects art uh finding glimmers of hope has sort of been something that we that we just started focusing on right and then looking you know like okay in the last few years i this was really cool and this is really cool and then you start getting excited about it like how can we reimagine this and put it out in a way where we're still honoring our celibate that it, yeah. it went under we're not on celibate anymore but you know it's a nice way to honor to honor what we said we would do and it's like exciting because it's like if you're going to paint a painting just paint the damn painting if you just fuss over the colors right and if it's done yet or not sometimes you have to put the work in even to be excited about something but that was sort of the basis of getting this together in this way because as a music fan myself those are the kind of things I really like because I like a lot of local bands and They'll just give you their stuff for free. No, I have to pay you. Like, I don't know how many times, like, like the done for is like Janine, like would not let us pay for their stuff. And we were so mad. We just kept like throwing money down at this woman. She's like, and they're like the best band, you know, like they're like the best band out of uh, like, in, in, uh, in my opinion, like I think they're one of the best bands in, in our whole, like in Hamilton. And I know they're from Hamilton, Toronto. They're just so good. And so that was kind of the excitement I was trying to go for. I'm not trying to cheapen myself and say, don't pay me. But do you know what I mean? It's like trying to find that middle where it's like, what was the shit that got us really excited in the first place? You know, that kind of vibe is what we were kind of going for. I really don't think you've justified this release yet. I uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just asked. (laughs) Growing up is awkward. And in the theme of that, 
I actually want to start sort of like near the end of adolescence with you because you were at Mohawk as a teaching assistant. You evaluated yeah. our piano skills. And I yep. actually found that book yeah. that I had in my parents' basement. Yeah, I was 18. In a box. I was 18 when I started at Mohawk. Okay, wow. Okay, so yeah. I was 18 when I was in the first semester. Yeah. From I don't know if you have a, even a vague memory, but I definitely recall being socially awkward and not comfortable unless I was pretending to be what I thought people wanted me to be with you. I think our only interactions were typically like in front of like a teacher type role person and I was just trying to get my piano right. So <laughs> like it wasn't about having conversation. It wasn't about no. we're at a, this party, but what what do you remember of me? That class, that class that I was the TA for was three hours. It was, it was, it was started at 8am. Mm-hmm. It was the prep first, which you were in, you were in the prep. And then we had two hours for the first years. Wow. It was like a revolving door of yeah, yeah. people in and out. Right. By the end of it, it's just like, yeah, that's good. Well, Check yeah. Marks. And Nick Deutsch was the prof and he is one of my favorite people on the planet and a great piano player. I, <laughs> I was a vocal major there, classical vocal major, as you know, right? That's my principal instrument. I've heard music. I don't think so. No, I'm kidding. Just being contrarian. There was a bit of a, the reason why, there was a bit of a back and forth. They wanted me to do the theory class. So you know how small the program was there, right? It was like only one class if you wanted it. I believe it was counterpoint. And I didn't want to to give up that counterpoint class. We were writing like Bach Fugue, right? And I really was interested in counterpoint. Um, For all you uh, counterpoint fans out there. Yeah. I loved counterpoint because Nick was the teacher, right? And he was just such a great teacher. And so I got the piano TA ship because I do play piano. Uh, and I took the ja- all the jazz piano courses there. So yeah. there was a bit of that. I really would have done anything that Nick said, except for I didn't want to get rid of this counterpoint class. Trina ended up doing that theory class because they, they pick the TAs based on your marks, right? So Trina ended up being that one. I just really liked it. It was great. It was three hours of marking. But it was a working scholarship, so I got to have my tuition paid for it, which was great. You guys came in, you did your assignments, and you left. I mean, there were, obviously, like you said, we didn't talk a lot, which was true. You were, you were respectful. There was some people that did. As a way of calming their nerves? or No, so because they, no, they didn't do, they didn't do, uh, they didn't do their homework. Right. So they would like make excuses like they hurt their leg and stuff and so nick would be so funny i hope i'm it's okay that i say this but nick would just go out and go meeting and he'd call us all in and he would just talk about trouble students that like were being because they thought i was like an easier marker or like the other ta was an easier marker because everyone said i used to have like the biggest line because everyone said i was the nicest or whatever so, but it really is not being the nicest. It's really the thought I, I was the nicest marker. Right. I never passed anybody that didn't deserve it, but I would sit and help, right? Because I teach piano anyway. Like I was teaching piano t- uh, at a studio at Melody Man in Burlington. Uh, another shout out to Steve McPhail, who's the best. I taught his whole family. Um, <laughs> I was already doing that. So to me, it was like, okay, we just, I'll, 
I'll help. I didn't help by giving them good marks or anything. Nick would, <laughs> Nick would he'd say, give those people to me. People right. that would try to do three weeks in a row and take from other people's time. Because then that takes a half an hour at least, right? Oh, jeez. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. See, you asked. You you want the, the, the nitty gritty. So he we would have to give those people. Just so the, really, that was the drama behind the scenes. If you ever saw him say meeting, that's what we were doing. Yeah. We were saying, we got to get rid of these people have to go to Nick because they wouldn't tr- they wouldn't pull that stuff with Nick. For the listener that doesn't know the context of what we're talking about, <laughs> Mohawk College. Th- music there's program. A, there's a music program. A great and one. It, uh, its main focus in 2003 was jazz and or classical. Yeah. If you loved music, you were there to become better and you yeah. had an understanding. If I remember correctly, Tuesdays was the day that I had Yeah. Dinner, and I was staying- Good at, memory. I didn't even remember that. I, yeah. Well, I knew that it wasn't at the beginning or end of the week. No, it was Tuesday mornings. That's yeah. right. Because survey was Mondays. And I was one That's of those right. kids. I was one of those kids that went ahead a couple of weeks if I could, if I was capable of, do, of doing it well and yes. not wasting any time. Because that was my only class that day. And I was staying at my grandmother's. I didn't drive. So I had to walk to the school. And that was my only thing that I had to do that day. And then I would either find an excuse. I would get drunk at the school, the campus bar, the cellar, and then walk back to my grandma's. Okay. I, <laughs> that's a funny story about that. That's my day. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have a funny story about getting drunk in the cellar. All right. Well, we'll have to say a friend. Um, I started a drinking club between, because we had theory and then we had English in the afternoon on Thursdays. So I, I called it Thursday club. We would get drunk and then go to the second class because, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't do this in high school. Yeah. <laughs> What you were saying before was that there are people that might have been there a bit more to party and didn't try as hard or were trying to get away with stuff with their you evaluations. Know, it wasn't the partiers, though, to sh- oh. protect my, my peeps because Justin Sawicki and Andrew Barbazan, I'm going to out them hard, and Dan Rosikas, who I love to death, who are, are just the nicest. I just, we had a lot of fun at Mohawk, right? They weren't the ones, it wasn't always those ones, those weren't the ones that were doing it. Mohawk weeded people out, right? It was a, it's yeah. a hard program. So it wasn't really the people that were just there to party. It really wasn't. It was because a lot of us went to party, right? right? But we had a good, well, we worked and we graduated, yeah. we got good grades. There's always going to be people that are going to take advantage, right? That are going right. to like make excuses and do weird things. And, uh, Nick took care of it. So that's what, that, that's my, that's my only, but I loved it. I mean, that's my only tidbit juicy goss from, from the piano class. I loved, I loved it. I loved being the TA. I loved everything about being at Mohawk. I have like the fondest memories of being there. So (laughs) I I would do it again if I could. Oh yeah. I I loved that era of not having bills, that really long, juicy, (laughs) juicy era of not having any bills. I did. I had to get OSAP. Uh, <laughs> but I also didn't have any social skills. So, you know. Yes, you did. I, You're, Todd, I remember you were really nice. Yeah. Most, like Adrian, you know Adrian? Yeah. McFarland. Yeah. I just talked, I talked, we, we were going to go grab a drink. And then I said, okay, rain check. And so I got to, that reminded me, I got to go. I got to go. I, so if you're hearing this, Adrian, yeah. she lied. No, I forgot. But Adrian, like I remember it because you guys were in the same, like you were in prep yeah. together. You guys were just really nice. You're just really nice. You came and you did it. Adrian always laughed that he was the worst piano player on the planet. And I'm the only reason why he passed because he would like, it's like when he would put his hands down on the keys, they were like lobster claws. Like cause he's a drummer. He's a good drummer yeah. too, right? So that was the only thing. He made it out to be worse than it was. I think it's very self-conscious when there's one person at it, it's one-on-one like that and yeah. you have to 
play all this stuff as your assignments. It's like really daunting. I just, I just, everybody was really nice. Justin, Andrew, like they were all there. They were just really nice. I definitely remember ear lab being one of those things where I both excelled and chose to jump as far ahead as I could. So I I probably only attended ear lab more than a handful of times. Yeah. I, I fast tracked too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was one thing like, go, you know, showing ice, my special a lot of people did that. Yeah. Yeah. It was because it was so much, it was so hard. You just no, wanted to get no, it done. It wasn't, oh, it was easy. See, Joey oh, Goldstein we, was my guitar instructor. Yeah. And I could, I could not keep up with that stuff. Oh, okay. I yeah, could Joey, not keep up with Joey's him. bonkers. He's so good. And he was a great teacher. Yeah. I was just a horrible student. I didn't practice enough. I was overwhelmed by trying to get uh, on top of the lessons. Point is, Ear Lab was something on the complete opposite end of my natural ability to discern. Yeah. I zoomed through that shit. I, I had a, maybe a handful of mistakes and had to redo it again for yeah, the Yeah, they thing. make you do it till you only have one. Yeah. Right? You can only have one mistake per I flew sheet. through all of it. I know. It's I a lot of work. But I loved being there. Yeah, I loved it too. I loved your lab too. And then I did, do you know where you could get the extra credit to do it, to do the extra? That's why I did the extra stuff. But by the time we get to the end, it's like the extra credit stuff. That was like, I was like, <laughs> I'm not so good at the extra credit stuff. <laughs> I did it though. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, I'm glad that we had to do that though. And then we, so we had ear training and then separate ear lab. It made us just like monster musicians. Like we're just yeah. like crazy boot camp for recognizing yeah. fifths oh god you and all like, know what that's like there's yeah. someone there's someone in like tech listening to this episode going like fucking weirdos yeah i don't know <laughs> no they might be into it because yeah. they're all into tech right they're, they're the, robots yeah. um kidding yeah they're, they're human they're just ro- robot like um <laughs> so if you're in a conversation with a new person that you haven't met before you're just in a social situation getting to know someone because you're both there how do you find yourself in a conversation with someone you haven't met before without resorting to like the classic uh, the weather oh what hey guess what date is right you know those days yeah like we meet a lot of people new right so i guess you just sort of take a jumping off point right you just kind of have to go with your gut and go with it like a conversation is an art too getting out there it's part of it right Mm -hmm. like it's part of being alive I guess you you know like I I mean I don't ever really think about it too much I don't overthink about what I'm gonna say or do at a party or or things like that I mean uh, I do I think beforehand and I never (laughs) accomplish (laughs) you just admit it like I'll I'm not scripting it but I'm planning in my head like it'll go down like this and then afterwards I'll be like oh I'm such an idiot for saying this oh that that would have been cool to say I have had stuff scripted before uh, for like interviews and things Uh, and people have asked like uh, when we did the feminine harder stuff uh, Carolina wanted us to be on the morning show right we were scripted so we had to memorize things so I have had to do stuff like that before but it was still an interview so it was like I don't really think about it, I guess. What, it's well, like, as a finer point, do you, do, you have, or do you have a desire to... Again, everything relates back to me somehow, but the, this is the only reason I, I know the things that I want to ask other people. And I truly am more interested in knowing about you or any guest I talk to, but how it relates to me for source material is coming from a childhood of being you know, a loser, 
or whatever bad things they thought of me in elementary school, which I probably deserve it. I, I've looked back and I'm like, that was a little fucking runt. Um, no, no, he's, that. Oh, come oh, on. No, I don't, I don't believe it for a second. It's all right. It's all right. But, and then you go through puberty and then there's all this stuff. But, uh, I don't know if I'll have enough time to go back through all of, all of your childhood and puberty, but I definitely <laughs> know that there's a point when you're aware of, sociality as a thing as this beast for some like it as it was for me and you you just know that you want to have made a good impression in that social interaction whether it's someone that you see again or are only going to meet and chat with this one time you just want to make sure that the people that you interact with think fondly of you not necessarily highly i what what was the goddamn point todd do i have a desire to come a certain way no but the thing that drives me most is I do care very, very much about being respectful. But I also care even more so about boundaries, my own and other people's. If someone doesn't like me because of that, if they don't, if they're not feeling it, I mean, that's life. Like yeah. you give one, take one person and then ask you know, a bunch of different people, they're going to have a bunch of different opinions on it. It's so maddening. It's not even worth talking about. I don't like to ask a lot of personal questions of other people. I also don't really like to answer personal questions. If I don't know somebody, I'll answer some. I just think sometimes people are very pushy. Right. So I don't ever want to be that person. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I just like asking people, like if I'm at a party or, or out at a function, I'll just ask them how their day was. What did they do? Watch anything cool on Netflix? If they have it. Uh, yeah. My goal as a conversationalist in this podcast is to definitely find where all the boundaries are, not because I want to breach any neutral zone. It's because not a lot of people understand how much everyone has in common with each other. Yeah. And I think the most significant example of that is adolescence and childhood yeah. and everything in between. That's what you learn. Because right? pu- puberty isn't uh, gender, spe- gender specific. It's not race specific. It's not uh, geographically specific. At one point in your life or another, you are going to find yourself attracted to people, examine yourself and feel weird things and not know <laughs> how to behave it, I was okay with that. I never liked too many people. You know, like some little girls and boys would have like pictures on the wall of whoever. I never did that. No. I, I didn't. I can admire beauty and I like see someone and see like, oh, they're handsome or they're, or, you know, she's beautiful or whatever. Yeah. I can admire beauty. But yeah, you, I like it. You never worshipped it. I never felt awkward or weird about having feelings for another person at, at that time? No, like no. at that time, like 13? No, because yeah. I almost didn't, because there was just one guy that I liked for like for years and I knew that he liked me back. So that I didn't, I didn't have any feeling, bad feelings about it because right. like, I mean, we didn't, we didn't end up Cause being together because I was like 12. I was 12 when I first right. had a crush on this guy and it was until like grade 11. So we didn't end up dating because he was like two and a half years older than me or whatever. And he's my best friend's older brother. So, <laughs> but they were okay with it. They all wanted it to go. So your, your, ado- your adolescence was, uh, in the early 1900s or before. Like- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I guess I never really, because I didn't look at anybody else like that after right. that was who I liked and he liked me and 
this guy was just the funniest guy. He was so funny and he was like a skateboarder and he, he was straight edge, which I thought was super cool. I was not straight edge, but it's like hardcore to be straight edge. You know what I mean? Like he was like very much a straight edge guy, like part of that movement. And he was like a snowboarder and a skater and, and he's really into the environment. He's really smart. Um, I'm still friends with the family and he's, what, what age is this now? I was 12. Okay. Like Wait, mad, hold on. What's straight, what's straight edged? Like straight edge. Like he was part of the straight edge movement. So like he didn't what, like. What does it mean though? Like he didn't do drugs or drink at all. But he like was popular and partied and like the whole thing. But he didn't do any of that. How? how I must have been fucking Mickey Mouse. Twelve year olds are well, fucking well, shooting it, heroin and <laughs> he's two, banging hookers. He was two and a half years older. Okay. And he wasn't part of the straight edge movement the entire time. It wasn't until later in high school, okay. but I liked him for so long that, but yeah, no, yeah. I was 15 years old going, what's this joint yeah. thing that I'm well, holding? Well, you got come, come party in the hammer. We know what, we know what <laughs> joints are in the hammer. <laughs> I didn't move from Hamilton until I was 16. I missed out. <laughs> you missed out. Okay. We, we, we know. We know out there early. It's all um, legal now. Yeah. 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 Uh, he got me into like comedy. I did not watch SNL. He got me into SNL and he loved the Blues Brothers. Blues he introduced you- me to laughter. Yeah. SNL. <laughs> he taught me how to slow dance and how to punch. Holy shit. Right. He's he's six foot four and I'm only five foot two. I'm, uh, so visually it was very funny, I think, to people because he was trying to. He had a good right hook because he taught me how to punch. Yeah. So he it was a huge part of the punk movement to be straight edge because so many people were dying. Right. Right. But it like bled out to not just be the musicians anymore to be uh, like a lot of people subscribe to that, but he was really popular and partied all the time. Like we were at all the same parties. He was just, I just thought that was like the neatest thing because I am not straight edge, nor have I ever been, but I just thought that's so. Cause you drink coffee. Yeah. Because I drink a lot of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) No, he drank coffee. It's just like alcohol and and uh, and drugs and right. uh, uh, not all stimulants. Yeah. Uh, but so um, you went you went to all the same parties. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought that that was so uh, mesmerizing. Like to just like who? I was going to say Mashugada. <laughs> You're looking yeah, for a word. Who does that? I was like, who is this guy? Like, who is this guy? And he loved. He got me into like Rage Against the Machine and like. Pearl Jam, like he introduced me to so much stuff that's very much part of who I am now. Sorry, what movie character would you, what character in like a teen movie or a... Me? Yeah, if you can make a reference. I can only tell you what people called me. People call me. Okay, well, frequently I rewatched on Netflix Friends and people call me Phoebe because I would just rewatch it recently and they were like, you're just like Phoebe. Because you're interesting. Okay, I get it. Yeah, because, well, yeah, because Hamilton kids are tough, though, yeah. right? So we, we're we tough. So. Monica, and, Monica and Rachel were just like, I love you know, them, too, though. I, no, I can't believe how much I liked Friends. I didn't think I was going to like it that much, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But I rewatched it, like, just recently. And, like, I just finished yeah. it, like, maybe a few weeks ago or, like, a month. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I was shocked. I didn't know. Because you, you, you know, sometimes you go back to old stuff on Netflix. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to like this because mm-hmm. it's so old. But it was so funny. I really liked it. I, People I, always call me Phoebe. I don't really, I can't think of another, uh, <laughs> she's so beautiful. I don't think I'm like her, but everyone kept saying it. So there it is. When I right. rewatched it, like every episode, whoever I was with was like, uh, this is, 
you're just like her. <laughs> but it could be just something as off color as the fact that you play music in coffee shops from time to time. Yeah, and we and, have, and we play Smelly Cat. <laughs> yeah. Danielle plays yeah. Smelly Cat. Nice. And sings it. That's like all of my adolescence, but because he was such a good person, I didn't have any, uh, I wasn't upset about it. Like we didn't date because we were two years, two and a half years apart and, you know, but it didn't, I didn't care because I like lived at that house. I was there all the time and it was so fun. And we, we went to go see Pearl Jam together. Oh, it was so fun. We all went and he drove. I got into BC boys because of them. Oh. Like, well, yeah, you. so I like have, I don't know, I guess I was lucky because I didn't crush on like every single person and I right. wasn't worried about at parties looking a certain way because I had, about it. yeah, because I liked this one person who I knew liked me anyway and I liked him, even if he didn't like me more than a friend. I mean, I think that he did, but even if he didn't, he liked me so much anyway that I felt supported and yeah. it like makes a difference when people are nice to you. And then my, my group of friends, I had such a good group of friends in high school, like I could have done no wrong, like right. like and and them them with me. <clears throat> so yeah, did, did we like do, that for me too? That's exactly yeah. the same. So, I wasn't the opposite of that at all. So if, you know, like we did dumb bitch. stuff. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> that's me teasing myself because you and I could be good friends and get along this well as adults because adulthood we become who we are, and I think you and I are yeah. very much the same. Oh, yeah. but like going back in time, two completely different lives yeah. because I did crush on every girl. I didn't have a, a solid group of friends and a lot of people, you know, it was, there was a mix of nice to dickheads that I had to deal with too. Yeah. What you're describing sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the people Todd. That's why, like I would have been friends with you in high school for sure. It's funny. Josh always says that Josh who plays the bass. He's like, I think I like, he said something and he's about him in high school. He had like, there's a picture of him playing bass. He's got like long hair and he just like, you know, and he just said something about that same, like he felt like a loser or whatever. Like he was laughing because I don't really, I think he thought the picture, he looked like a loser. But right. It's a very funny picture of him. It's really a very unflattering picture, but he put it on his wall. So clearly he has a sense of humor about it. But I said, well, I still would have been friends with you. Don't worry. He's like, I, I don't know if you would have, <laughs> but it really wasn't that. It's just that we had such a good group of friends. I'm still friends with these people. So if you find a good core group of people, you're really, really lucky. I've never had that again in my life that I still like we're talking all of elementary school. Yeah. That are still connected. Yeah. That are just that good. Like we know each other's families still. We know when you find good, you know, pure hearts, you kind of got to stick with them. Yeah. I'd say we're close to done. I I just, I like to put a button on the thing and and add it. My takeaway is that I guess if you're an adult listening to this, it's probably too late for you. <laughs> but um, but, no, but like if you're if, if you're an adult that that was a child or a teenager that that didn't have just a strong core group of friends all the way through childhood, uh, but if you're a parent and you have a child that's going into school, always encourage them to to find good people encourage them to be social enough to um because it seems to be very very important i wasn't good at making friends i think i wanted to but i I just wasn't good at it and uh you know it would have been more helpful to me as an only child if i knew certain things were socially good or socially bad or how do you wash yourself (laughs) 
<laughs> very specific things that people might think you're weirder than most later in life for. Yeah. No, I do. I understand what you mean. I, I just, I like that I had that stuff happen. But like I said, I wouldn't have thought that stuff was funny if I wasn't with such good people. Right. Because I was like, like when I was crowd surfing to the paramedics. Yeah. <laughs> but because I was with such good people, we just laughed about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we were on like a spinny ride. And I had just drinking a giant like big gulp and I threw up all over myself and my friend Katie and wow. we're still friends. So see, that's embarrassing, right? Yeah. But I, I now have never been on a spinny ride since because Lord knows I can't do them, obviously. <laughs> Secondly, we're still friends. There you go. And I was sleeping over at my other friend Katie's house, so I had to change of clothes. So I went and changed, and it was okay. We didn't even leave because I had a whole fresh bag of clothes, and I just put it in a bag, like a plastic baggie, and I washed it when I got to my friend's house. So, yeah, like there was a lot of that stuff. Like when you grow up, well, that's just t- funny stuff. That's not like. But it would have been super embarrassing had I not been with these really great people. Right. That's why I understand what you're saying when you're like, don't you? I'm like, nothing really sticks out. But I'm like, oh, wait, but everything sticks out because I did a lot of embarrassing things happen. But yeah. I think if you're with good people who are just like, because they knew I didn't normally do that, I've been on rides, we've been to. Canada's Wonderland all these places before I didn't normally do that I had been on so many rides before I guess just the combo with the giant big gulp is probably too big was too big for my britches probably was like yeah. that big I'm thirsty now thanks yeah thanks for having me Todd Donald <laughs> yes the EP is coming out at the end of this week on Bandcamp it's called From the Basement and check it look up everything that there is on OpheliaSyndrome.com that's right because it's all there, including yeah, links to all of our the stuff you and I have done together too. All of our um, all of our our releases are there. You can uh, you can listen for free on Spotify. We're on iTunes, on iMusic. It's all there. Yeah, and uh, awesome. thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. 